Coming up on today's show, I have an absolute treat in store for you. He is the nation's favourite superhero. Dr. Range is dropping in for a chat. This podcast is sponsored by Zilkeen, a calming supplement made with a natural ingredient for cats and dogs. Zilkeen can help your pet cope during stressful situations such as separation, loud noises and changes to their routine. Speak to your vet today for more information. Welcome along to the very last episode of this series of Vet Together and we are going out with a bang. <laughs> I've got the best guest lined up. The lovely Dr. Ange is coming to talk to us. It's Dr. Meet Doctor. We are talking all about his new book. We are talking about his strictly predictions for this year with a final looming. Um, and also we're crossing um, a, a quite a difficult topic, but one that I get so many questions about. And that is pet bereavement. And okay, it might sound a bit weird that I've brought a doctor in to talk about this, but I think the impact that pet bereavement can have on our own human mental health, I think is is huge. And so that's why I thought, actually, this would be a really good topic for us to, to talk about together. So that's all coming up. I wanted to say, though, thank you so much for listening. We've I started this podcast in lockdown one. I did the last interview with Dr. Ranj in uh, lockdown two. So it seems quite fitting that across the two lockdowns, uh, we've managed to pull out 10 episodes of a podcast. And uh, and I just want to say thank you so much for listening. So you can still get in touch with me. The emails are still open. The Instagram is still live at vettogetherofficial on Instagram or vettogetherofficial at gmail.com if you want to send me an email. But otherwise, I reckon we're going to go straight into this. Let's sit back. And this is my chat with Dr. Ranch, who honestly is one of the kindest and just most lovely people that I have ever had the pleasure of meeting. So here is my chat with the fabulous Dr. Ranch. Thank you, Dr. Ranch, for joining us today. TV personality author dancer uh podcaster oh, gosh. first thing i was going to ask is obviously your schedule is crazy busy um and we know you on our tv screens but the main thing obviously still is that you are a practicing doctor um how much how much doctoring do you do you get to do at the moment um so i used to work in the nhs full-time and um i went part-time made the decision to go part-time probably about 10 years ago and there are lots of reasons for it one was to get a bit better work-life balance two was so that I could explore some other opportunities like television related stuff and which was kind of taken off so I still work part-time now I tend to work at the weekends in hospital um, and then during the week Monday to Friday is when I kind of do my media related stuff so that could be tv or radio or writing um yeah or all the other non-glamorous stuff that happens behind the scenes that no one knows about well, funny you should say writing because you do have your new kids book out as well, don't you? I do. I can't yeah. believe this has quite happened. So, um, tell tell us all about it. So, uh, it's a it's a children's picture book. It's aimed at small children, roughly under the age of five, and it was inspired by the pandemic. So, at the start of lockdown, this idea came around, and I was um, discussing this project with the publisher. It's a story of a little girl called Lily who wants to be a superhero when she grows up, but she doesn't want to be a, a, like a comic book superhero. Um, she wants to be a real life superhero, like the people around her 
in her world who help other people. So the real life superheroes who are the frontline workers and the key workers that kept us going during the pandemic. So it celebrates all of those people that kept their services going to keep the world going. So everybody from emergency services workers to obviously healthcare workers to vets. Yes. To know. Yes, I, know. <laughs> I was flipping Old double grade spread on vet. Well, we tried to be <laughs> as all encompassing as possible. It was impossible to include every single profession, but we tried to include an image representative of certain professions or as much as we could or text in the story. But I wanted to try and celebrate all of those key workers. I also wanted to make a point about celebrating the skills it takes to be that kind of special superhero person and kindness being one of the biggest things that we talk about in the book. And also one of the things I'm really passionate about, um, and I think there needs to be more of, was diversity and representation, particularly in children's literature. So th- there's a reason Lily is a, a little brown girl. There's a reason that there, is, there are people of all sorts of colours and backgrounds and abilities in this book. So we have people with prostheses, we have people in wheelchairs, we have a little boy who just happens to have Down syndrome. Um, we've got people you know, from all walks of life, all abilities, because I just wanted kids to pick up this book from any background or any ability, look at it and say, do you know what? I could be a superhero just like that person, or that person looks like me. And therefore I feel inspired by this. Um, that's my hope. And we tried to make it as colorful and as, as engaging as possible. And uh, I'm, I really love it. And I just hope everybody else does too. It is. It's fantastic. And I, I was going through it. You, you, like I said, you kind of sent us a copy through and I think, it's one of those books where every kid that picks it up will be able to see themselves in it, which I think is what's so great about it is that it's completely accessible and very identifiable. But it's a great, you know, it's a great role model as well for kids to aspire to, you know, the, these essential services that we have. I have to say, yeah. what's, it, what's it like then? So, I mean, you are, you, you know, you're everybody's favourite. I mean, you know, I love you. My mum loves you. My nephews love you. <laughs> everybody just loves Dr. Ranch. What's oh, it like when oh. you're in the hospital? I know, I know, gosh, gosh. But when you're in the hospital wards then, I mean, when kids see you come into their to their sort of wards or the, or the room and stuff, their faces must just light up. What What is their reaction when you walk in? You know, p- people are so lovely from my colleagues to, you know, my patients and their parents because I look after children and little ones. Um, it's really nice that people generally have a very positive reaction in a world where currently especially on certain types of social media people are venting and really frustrated and really annoyed and angry with things it's really nice uh, in a hospital environment that people are so positive and so lovely to me sometimes the parents can get a little bit carried little bit carried away and i have to kind of remind them that when i'm at work when i'm in hospital i'm at work and you know i i'm not there to take selfies and stuff like yeah. that as much as it as yeah. lovely as it would be but um, it's still really nice that people have that response. Have that positive response. Well, no, it's great. And uh, I mean, today, so I'm obviously talking about the fact that you are very much still, obviously, a, a doctor in hospitals and predominantly dealing with with you know children and, and sort of pediatrics. I one topic that comes up a lot on the podcast, and I get a lot of questions about, is uh, grief and bereavement. And I, and I know this is yeah. we sort of we you know we've, we've started off all lovely and. <laughs> right down it's so friendly lovely topic (laughs) of uh grief and pet bereavement no but i thought i thought for the fact that you know you are still obviously in practice and and myself as well there's there's probably Mm. 
there's probably is some sort of common ground crossover there. And so whilst I kind of thought, you know, pet bereavement as a topic is, is obviously, you know, we can approach it from, from a pet's point of view and from people's ownership of pets. What I think is also really important around this is the human mental health around it as well. You know, the fact mm. that pet bereavement is very real and it's something that a lot of people really struggle with, which is why I'm so grateful for you to come on the, the podcast because I think the best person to talk about that is actually somebody from a human medical background um, mm. because this is one area that I think does really cross over between, between that, that bond we have with our pets. So have you, do you, have you got any, do you have pets? Have you grown up with pets or any? Uh, the only pets I've grown up with are goldfish. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> and sadly, I think goldfish get a bad rep because no one really counts them as pets. They oh, kind of well, just count look, them as ornaments. On this podcast, goldfish are counted as pets. <laughs> you are in good company. Goldfish matter. Goldfish yes, matter. Exactly. Goldfish exactly. matter. I used well, to have two goldfish. They were named after Dickens characters. So one was called Oliver Twist and one was called Charles Dickens. I mean, it was very posh, very posh. Very posh, <laughs> very posh. Did they sort of swim around with little monocles on and, you know, smoke? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the little one always used to come up when we fed him, say, please, sir, can I have some more? Yeah. No. <laughs> I got given them. I got given them by a friend and they have been my only, they were my first two pets are my only two pets. And the reason they're named after Dickens characters is because I grew up in Rochester where Dickens obviously lived and wrote a lot of his books and where his books were based. So that's where the link comes from. I think one thing that maybe people don't always understand, or one thing that I know a lot of pet owners when they've come to me and sort of open up about it, is this is this notion of whether pet bereavement is is even real. You know, I think there's this debate over whether you should be given time off work for there's the loss of a pet or all these things. And I think a lot of people that do struggle with pet bereavement or the loss of a pet can sometimes feel really lonely, almost as though they can't talk to people about it in case they sort of feel a bit ridiculed. ridiculed. It's, where, how do you, what would be your advice around that? Um, I, I acknowledge that I'm not a pet owner and I have to obviously put that into consideration. But I think many people feel like their pets are part of their family. And just like any member of your family, if they were to um, pass away, there is an emotional response to that. And there is an emotional process that people go through. People really care about their pets. They are their companions. They are their lifeline sometimes. They are therapeutic in so many ways. And, and that's for the whole family, uh, not just grown-ups, for the little ones as well. And so when a pet passes away and you experience pet bereavement, it's a real thing. I think we as a society maybe need to acknowledge that a bit better. Um, likewise, uh, one of my bosses, his pet, his pet dog, his beloved pet dog passed away and he got a new dog and he actually took some time for essentially paternity leave because that's what he needed to do, puppy paternity for a yeah. bit. Um, I think we need to acknowledge that, you know, especially I, I, I think maybe coming from a, at it from an LGBT plus perspective where, you know, not everyone has babies. Some people have gaybies, which are basically yes. dogs. <laughs> yes, I like it. Um, you know, for, for, some, for some people, particularly from the LGBT community, the pets are their children. Um, so I don't think we should belittle that in any way. I do think society maybe has a bit of a, a, a way to come to understand all of that. Um, but yeah, pet bereavement can be really significant for some people. And 
across all age groups. It's not just for, you know, it doesn't just impact the, the grown-ups of the family. It may have a big impact on the, on the little ones as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that was, that was something else I was going to ask you about, you know, in terms of, in terms of sort of explaining loss to children, you know, whatever form that may be, whether it's a pet or, 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 you know, a relative, do how, how do you sort of approach that? Are you kind of careful around the language you use? Do you kind of take a very kind of, you know, pragmatic approach on it or do you soften it or how, if if yeah. if there's a parent listening and they you know this is the first pet and they've just lost it and the the, the kid is you know the, the the children's really struggling with it what how would you suggest parents approach that i think first and foremost expect it not to be easy because expect there to be emotions and expect there to be a range or potentially a variety of different emotions that, you know expressed by your little one um and acknowledge that, accept that that is part of the process. Be very honest and open about it. Um, be When I say be honest with your language, I don't mean be brutal with your language. Don't be blunt with it. Obviously, soften it and be as gentle as you can be and as appropriate as you can be. Um, but it's it really pays to be honest. And if it's the same as if if um, children experience bereavement of a fam a human family member you use a, a, a similar, I guess, kind of language with them and, you know, explain to them what happened and, you know, how it happened potentially and why it happened if there's a reason. And also I think you don't need to dwell too much on the process of it all from that respect, but mm. you can then talk about some of the things that you can do together to commemorate the memory of that pet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, things you can do to celebrate their life, things you can do to, close the loop as it were and give closure and you know there's there's so many exercises and things you can do depending on the age of your child you may want to create a memory box where they put memories of their pet into there and and it that's quite therapeutic in a way to write them down and put them away and store them it gives us you know this idea of cherishing something that someone isn't forgotten or something isn't forgotten um the whole process of holding for example like a burial maybe you know something as simple as that is a process that you go through give your child and also make your child feel like you are their safe space so if they're feeling down or upset or have questions or concerns they can come to you and they 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 will feel like they'll be heard and won't be judged and you'll listen to them and you'll make them feel feel safe and that you know that, that everything's going to be okay around you and that you know they you are the person that they can come to and what about, I mean, so that's obviously, you know, in terms of, in terms of breaking the news to, to children, but there will be lots of adults listening, um, especially, as you said, you know, from lots of different backgrounds and, and lots of different communities. Um, the, the, they themselves might not feel strong enough to even be able to process it. And so, so essentially what I'm saying, when I, so I've experienced the first, my first proper taste of pet bereavement um, I put, I put, I had to put our family dog down a, f- a couple of years ago. Um, and that was really difficult, but actually this, uh, this lockdown, the first lockdown, um, we were nurturing and, this, and it sounds so ridiculous. Lamb. Lamb, but we had this lamb. Yeah. Sprout. Yeah. Um, so, and you know, honestly, I, I put in so much, uh, time and commitment and effort and all the odds were stacked against her from day one. And my vet head kept saying, this is really probably only going to go one way, but my yeah. heart was saying, but she keeps bouncing back. So, so yeah. don't give up. 
And I and it, it sort of took a third party. We had to have a vet come over and sh- a farm animal vet who did a, a blood transfusion and all this sort of stuff. And I actually took it to one side and said, I, I think I've kind of lost a bit of perspective on this. And you need to tell me if I am, um, you know, if, if I'm taking this the wrong direction, do, do we need to have a different conversation? But that's, it, it's, it was very strange. And actually afterwards, like, honestly, I was crying for weeks. Like I was really struggling with, the loss, I felt stupid. I felt like I was sort of um, like I failed. Uh, and all of these things, what, what, mm. what is your kind of advice on that? I don't know from a human point of view. Obviously, I've seen a lot of bereavement and I've spoken to uh, patients and patients' families about bereavement. And I've been affected by patients passing away myself. Yeah. One thing that I've learned from all of this is that Sometimes you have to give things time. You really do. And you have to go through the process. There's a grieving, there's a, there's a very human grieving process. You can go through different stages of it. Um, you know, the, the shock and the sorrow, the anger, the denial, and then the acceptance. There's different phases that you have to go through. And it's explaining and reminding yourself or whoever it may be that this is a process. There is no right way to grieve. Mm. There is no correct way. There is no correct length of time. You do and take whatever it requires because the fact that you are grieving just shows that you formed an emotional bond with someone or something. And that's actually quite beautiful, I think, to to be able to do that, and regardless of whether that's a human or an animal. I think language is a, is a massive part around bereavement. Saying, for example, I mean, we we get a lot of people. Obviously, we we do have to put our patients to sleep, and we get a lot of people talking in terms of you know, instead of saying, "Oh, it's the it's the right thing to do," or "Do you think I'm doing the right thing?" or you know, it's the yeah. final act of kindness. Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes I sometimes struggle with that a little bit because I think the 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 connotations that this is right or wrong I think adds another level of almost judgment on those people that yeah. just trying to do the right, you know, <laughs> trying to do the right thing, but trying to do the best thing for the, for the animal. Um, do you know what I find James? And I think the same applies to sometimes to human patients as well, is that sometimes families know which way things are going. They know, mm. they know deep down and um, they either don't want you to confirm their worst fears or the other side of it is they need you to give them permission to say, okay, you know, I, I have to let go. And they don't want to make that decision themselves. And they want somebody in authority or with expertise to take that emotional load away from them. I've had to do that with parents of very sick babies before, wow. where I've had to say to them, do you know what, in our, in, in, and, and very sick children who are very poorly, and we know which way things are going, um, and it's not, it may not have been a surprise. And all the family needed was somebody with authority, expertise, and somebody who really cared and understood to say to them, look, I know what you're going through. I know what you're feeling, but it's okay to let go. It is okay. You, you know, this, what we have to do is what, think about what's best for the patient here. Very, very beautifully put. And I think that's, uh, I think that's, you know, that's what I mean by the common ground. I'm certainly, certainly not trying to compare that to, to, to yeah. in any mean, but I think. But I know what process, you mean exactly. That process, similar process. Coming to the vets and saying, I just almost sort of saying, I don't really know what to do. 
often I will say to people, you know, listen to your gut instinct because often that is right. You know, something changes. And and it's. Yeah, I'm just going to make one point clear though that we don't put humans down. I'm just going to say, no, someone's listening and saying, hang on on a second, he puts people down. No, no, no. no, no. We just redirect care to a different type of care. No, very, very clear. Hugely debated topic. I thought there for a moment. Oh, no. no. going down that route well look thank you so much that was uh, honestly that was everything that i was hoping we'd be able to oh, and you've been so like we got very somber then for a minute James. i know i know well let's light it before we say goodbye i'm going to just throw one question out there i'm sure Uh-oh. you know what's going to come but who is your money on for strictly <laughs> oh <laughs> who is my money on so my original prediction my original prediction for the final was harvey Obviously, who is incredible. Their salsa was one of the best salsas I have ever seen on that show. It was, and I think their cha-cha was undermarked. That may be controversial, but I'm going to say it was undermarked. Um, Harvey's brilliant. So he was my dead cert for the final. Maisie, I think, is brilliant. Her cha-cha was undermarked. She should not have been in the dance-off. That is ridiculous. Anyway, she should be in the final. My third person is Clara. Because I, um, I think Clara, Clara is a grower. She is getting better and better and better. And her attitude towards it all is brilliant. And then my fourth person was Nicola, but then obviously things kind of didn't pan out I know, there, I know. unfortunately. So I think it might be Ranveer, actually. So who's going to be my dead sir? So, I mean, Those you... four? I've just given you four. I've just I was going to say, like I was expecting money, Come on, I'm going to pin you. My money, my <laughs> money is on oh, then Bill Bailey's. Oh, Bill, Bill Bailey's couple's I choice was incredible. It's really hard, isn't it? He was awesome. It was so. Good. I'm still going to put my money on Harvey. I'm still going to do that. But who knows? I think Bill might be the dark horse now. There's and something about and Bill. from everyone. Yeah, there's something there is something about Bill. I have to say, yeah. though, with all of that, I think you should be the next judge on there. I'm going to put that out there. <laughs> I Move over, Anton. Out there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm here for I that. I get really passionate about it, James. I watch, I watch it at home and I'm like, oh, like, like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I sit there and I'm like, oh, oh, made a mistake there. Oh, where's your bounce? Oh, no, that leg's... That, Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, look, it's so lovely to catch up. The name of the book is Superhero Like You. That's it is. now. Yes. Uh, Superhero Like You is available online in bookstores and 35p from every copy goes to NHS charities together. Right. Well, we shall start adding to baskets. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll catch up again soon. And uh, it's great to talk. Thank you very much. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye. And that's it. That brings us to the end of the episode, the end of the series. I uh, just, you know, we started it in lockdown one. It finished more or less in lockdown two. And we are graduating, hopefully, into a brand new world with a COVID vaccine on the horizon. I'm getting a bit emotional. Um, I just want to say a massive thank you. What a gent to to Dr. Ranch for coming on. I know loads of people have found that incredibly useful to hear um, his tips on grievement, on grievement. 
bereavement and grief. Um, I know I did, especially, like I said there, about going through the process of losing Sprout. Um, and please do, and thank you to you for listening. I know I keep saying it, but thank you so much for listening. Do please stay in touch. Drop me an email, drop me a message on Instagram. Um, and I will be back in the new year with some more episodes, possibly a few changes, a few tweaks here and there. But if you've got any suggestions, drop them over to us. But until then, I'm wishing everybody a very, very happy Christmas. Look after yourselves, but more importantly, from me and Oliver, give all of your wonderful pets a massive hug from us. 